0: Life is not always straightforward about the business of living. A food web, for instance, consists of chains upon chains of organisms stealing other organisms' energy processing abilities. For example, we can't process sunlight into the sugars we need for energy. We wait for plants to do it and then eat them. Carnivores can't properly digest plants. They wait for herbivores and other animals to eat the plants and then they eat those animals. In other words, Most of us piggyback off other organisms in some way, but parasites take the notion to its ultimate conclusion. Why go about the hard work of living when you can get some other creature to do it for you, or even better, make them do it for you? And in this episode, we will dive deeper into some of the fascinating and creepy ways that parasites can alter the behavior and physiology of their hosts. So sit back and relax because this episode is going to be interesting. I'm your host, Mr. Earth Guy, and you're listening to Earth (music) Show. Parasites are organisms that live on or in other organisms called the host, and they usually benefit from it at the host's expense. Parasites can be microscopic, such as a bacteria or viruses, or macroscopic, such as worms or insects. Some parasites have simple life cycles involving only one host species, while others have complex life cycles, requiring multiple hosts to complete their development and reproduction. One of the most intriguing aspects of parasitism is that some parasites can manipulate the phenotype of their hosts, meaning they can change their appearance, behavior, physiology, or even genetics. This phenomena is known as adaptive host manipulation. And it's thought to be an evolutionary strategy that enhances the parasite's fitness by increasing its transmission or survival. Parasites live very complicated and circuitous lives, but it seems to be incredibly effective. While some parasites stick to one host for their whole life cycle, others require multiple hosts to complete their biological journeys. Here's how the more complex life cycles tend to work. A parasite reproduces and lays eggs in what is known as the definitive host. The eggs are then taken up by the first intermediate host. There, the parasite continues to develop, and from here it can either continue to grow to maturity or make its way to a second intermediate host to complete its growth. Once it's fully grown and ready to reproduce, it needs to make its way back to the definitive host, often to a specific type of animal. This is where adaptive host manipulation comes into play. But how do parasites manipulate their hosts? And what are the ecological and evolutionary implications of this phenomenon? These are some of the questions that researchers are trying to answer using a variety of host parasite systems and methods. Let's start with some examples of parasite-induced changes in host behavior. One of the most well-known cases is Toxoplasmosis from Toxoplasma gondii, a protozoan parasite that infects many mammals, including humans. However, it can only reproduce sexually in cats, which are its definitive host. To get back to cats, Taxoplasma gondii has been shown to alter the behavior of its intermediate hosts, such as rodents, making them more attracted to cat urine and less fearful of predators. This increases the chances that they'll be eaten by cats completing the parasite's life cycle. Studies have shown that animals infected with toxoplasmosis exhibit behavioral changes, such as increased activity, reduced neophobia, which is the fear of new things, an altered response to cat odor, and impaired learning and memory. These changes are thought to be mediated by the parasite's effect on neurotransmitters such as dopamine and serotonin in the host brain. However, whether these parasites actually do manipulate hosts is still under investigation. There are many challenges in demonstrating parasitic manipulation in vertebrate hosts, such as distinguishing between changes that benefit the parasite and changes that harm the host. Another example is Leucochloridium paradoxum. I know, these names are Latin and long. But it's a type of flatworm that infects snails as its first intermediate host. The parasite forms colourful and pulsating brood sacs inside the snail's eyestalks, making them look like caterpillars. The infected snails also move out into the open and expose themselves to birds, which are the parasite's second intermediate host. The birds are attracted by the brood sacs and peck them off, ingesting the parasite larva. Within the gut of the bird, they develop into adult worms. From here, the worms then escape from the gut through the bird's feces where it's fed on by ants. And then the life cycle is repeated when those ants die and the snails eat the ants' bodies. This is just one example of how complex the life cycle of parasites can be. And these are just two examples of many parasites that can alter the behaviour of their hosts in different ways. Some of these changes are caused by direct physical interference of the parasite with the host's nervous system or sensory organs. Other changes can be caused by indirect chemical interference of the parasite with the host's hormones or immune systems. For example, there is one type of flatworm that infects frogs as its secondary intermediate host. It induces limb deformities in the frogs by disrupting their limb development during metamorphosis. The malformed frogs have reduced mobility and are more vulnerable to predation by birds or mammals, which are the parasite's definitive hosts. The study of parasitic manipulation also has important implications for ecology and evolution. Parasites can affect not only individual hosts, but also populations, communities, and ecosystems. For example, parasites can alter predator-prey relationships, food web dynamics, biodiversity patterns, nutrient cycling, and ecosystem services. Parasites can also drive evolutionary adaptations in both hosts and parasites themselves, resulting in a co-evolutionary arms race where we see the parasites doing what they need to, to survive and reproduce, but also the host trying to protect themselves and resist themselves to disease. The parasites can influence evolutionary processes by imposing selective pressures on both hosts and parasites. This includes altering host fitness, mating success, gene expression, or genetic diversity. Hosts can evolve resistance or tolerance to the parasitic manipulation by enhancing their immune systems, behavioral plasticity, or genetic variability. Parasites that manipulate their host's phenotype are widespread and diverse in nature. They reveal fascinating aspects of animal behaviour and physiology that we may not otherwise notice or appreciate. They also challenge our notions of free will and identity by showing us how easily our actions and decisions can be influenced by external factors. I hope you enjoyed this episode on parasitic manipulation. We looked at the marvellous, albeit scary, phenomena that occurs right underneath our noses. And in a later episode, we'll go into the details of how we may be able to use parasitic manipulation to actually help us in medicine. This includes treating autoimmune conditions like IBS and Crohn's disease. So make sure you hit that follow button and watch out for that episode. You've been listening to Earth Show. I'm your host, Mr. Earth Guy. And remember, stay curious.